Section eighty eight of Up One Pair of Stairs of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Muffy Rosigi. Up One Pair of Stairs of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Beaupre Miller. Bikumati by Godron Thorne Thompson. On a wooded hillside stood a little cabin. It had but one window, and this was so small that when the round, fair, curly head of a little boy appeared in it, the whole window was filled. Some years ago there had been a brick chimney, and the walls had been painted red. At that time the cabin and the little potato field were fenced in neatly, but now it all looked poor, very poor. The smoke escaped through a hole in the turf, and the fence had fallen to pieces long ago. In this place lived an old blind soldier and his wife. They could not work in the field to make their living, but the old man earned a little money by tying nets, and the old woman made a few brooms. The church gave them each year three barrels of rye for bread, and thus they managed to live. So the old couple remained there with the little grandchild, whose name was Matty. Because he was so little, they called him Biku Matty. Those who don't understand Finnish will have to guess what the name means. Biku had cheeks as red and as round as an apple, clear blue eyes, and hair as yellow as gold, the only gold to be found in the cabin. It was Biku's round face which often filled the cottage window when anything passed on the road. If you happen to come that way in summer, you will see a gate across the road close to the cottage. You will have to stop your carriage, unless someone comes to open the gate. But just wait a little. Biku Matty will soon be there. There he is in the cabin door. How he runs to reach the gate in time with his golden hair streaming in the wind. Now he is at the gate. If you have a penny, throw it to him. He rather expects it. But let it be a shiny one. He does not know the value of money and a penny. If bright and new gives him as much pleasure as a silver coin. But take care not to throw your coin on the road before the horse and carriage have passed the gate. Bikumati has but little sense yet, and if he sees a bright penny in the road, he is likely to throw himself over it, allowing the gate to shut in front of your horse. On weekdays, Biku Matti had only coarse bread and herring to eat, but on Sundays he had potatoes and sour milk. Still on such food he throve, and grew rounder and rounder as the years went by. He could not read much. Some prayers and the Ten Commandments were about all. But then Matty could do other things. He could stand on his head and turn somersaults where the grass was soft. He could skip stones over the smooth lake while his grandmother was washing his shirt. He could drive a horse on the main road and ride the neighbor's horse to the watering trough if someone walked beside him. 
he could tell the tracks of the blue jay from those of the crow on the new-fallen snow, and wolf tracks he knew well. He could carve a boat or a sled out of chips of wood, and could make horses and cows of pine cones with small twigs for legs. But, although Bikku possessed all these powers, and they were many for a small boy like Bikku, there were some necessary things he did not possess. He had no trousers. This may seem very strange to you, but it was after all not so strange. His grandparents were very poor, and then it was customary in that neighbourhood for little boys to go about in plain cotton slips, as Bikku did. But this was only on weekdays. On Sundays, the other boys were dressed in blouses and trousers. It was only Bikku who neither Sunday nor Monday wore anything but the little slip. But for a long time he did not know that trousers were a necessary piece of garment for a little boy. But see what happened. One Sunday morning, when the whole parish were to meet at the beach to go to church, Bikku declared that he was going too. "'That will never do, dear child,' said Grandmother. "'Why not?' asked Bikku Matti. "'You have no trousers.' Bikku became very serious. "'I might have an old skirt to lend you,' said Grandmother. "'But then everybody would take you for a girl.' "'But I am not a girl. I am a man,' said Bikku Matti. "'Of course you are,' said Grandmother. "'A man is a man, be he no larger than a thumb. "'Stay nicely at home, Bikku dear.' "'And Bikku remained at home that time. "'But soon after that there was to be a fair in the valley, "'a horse fair, "'and Bikku loved horses better than anything else in the world. "'He knew they would be there, black, white and brown ones, and there would be a Punch and Judy show, a merry-go-round and many more wonderful things. Bikku Matti had heard the boys tell great tales about all these things, and now Bikku said that he must go to the fair. "'It won't do, dear child,' said Grandmother again. "'Why not?' asked Bikku Matti. "'There will be many people there, my dear, and you cannot go without trousers.' Bikku Matti struggled with himself a while and Punch and Judy danced before his eyes. At last, he said, "'If Grandmother would lend me her skirt?' "'Here it is,' said Grandmother, and laughed to herself when the little boy stumbled on the kitchen floor in the skirt. "'But you look like a girl,' she said. "'If I look like a girl, I won't go,' said Bikumati. "'I am no girl. I am a man.' "'Well, you look like a girl,' said Grandmother, "'But you might tell everybody whom you meet that you are a man.' "'That's what I'll do,' thought Bikku Matti, and so he started off. "'On the road he met a strange gentleman who stopped and said, "'Little girl, can you tell me the way to the fair?' "'I am no girl, I am a man,' said Bikku Matti. "'You don't look like a man,' said the stranger. "'Bikku made no answer, but when he reached the fair,' He called out so that all could hear him. I only look like a girl, but I am a man. Men and women laughed out loud. Boys and girls gathered around Bikku Matti, clapped their hands and cried, Oh, look at little Mary, where did you get your pretty clothes? It's grandmother's skirt, not mine, said Bikku Matti. I am no Mary, I am Matti, 
don't you see? Then the largest and naughtiest of the boys took Bikku Matti on his back, carried him to the Punch and Judy show and cried out, Come and see a penny lad. Come and see my man in a petticoat. Bikku Matti grew angry and pulled the boy's hair with all his might. It is not my skirt. It is grandmother's skirt. He cried and began to weep. But the naughty boys kept on. Come and see this man in a skirt. And in this way he ran around the whole fairgrounds, the boy calling, Bikku pulling his hair and crying. Never had Bikku had such a ride. He cried, he screamed, he scratched, and when at last he got loose, he ran as fast as he could, but he stumbled in the skirt, crawled up again, stumbled, got up again, and ran on until he reached Grandmother's cabin, all out of breath and sobbing. Take off the skirt, he cried. I won't have any skirt. I am a man. Don't cry, Bikku dear, said his grandmother, trying to comfort him. When you grow old, you will show them that you are a man as good as any. Yes, said Grandfather. And next time I will lend you my trousers. They loved Bikku more than anything else in the world, those old grandparents. They would have given him gold-embroidered velvet trousers, if it had been in their power. Now Grandmother gave him a large piece of bread and butter, and Bikku Matti sat in the corner, eating it, while the tears dried on his cheek. Some time after this, there was great excitement in the valley. The road was one cloud of dust from all the driving and running. A gentleman of much importance was expected to come through the valley. It was even said that the gentleman was next to the king himself. All the people came to see him, and strange things were told about him. He drives in a golden carriage, said some, with twelve horses before it. He is dressed from top to toe in silver and velvet, said others. But the children had their own thoughts about him. They imagined that the high gentleman carried a big sack on his back, filled with silver coins and candy sticks, which he threw out among them. Bikku Matti also heard about it, and this time he had to be by the roadside with the other children. There was no help for that. But what about your clothes? said Grandfather, smiling. Perhaps you are to borrow Grandmother's skirt? I won't have any skirt, cried Bikku Matti, and turned red to the roots of his hair when he remembered all that he had suffered because of that skirt. No. Never in the world will I wear a skirt again. I want grandfather's trousers. I want to wear them. Well, little one, come with me to the garret, and we will see how well the trousers fit you, said grandfather. And now Bikku Matti was happy. He climbed up the garret ladder like a cat, so fast that grandfather could not keep up with him. Then they came to the big painted chest, farthest stocked in the corner. Of this chest, Bikku stood in great awe, but he had only had glimpses into it once or twice. Now it was opened, and the first thing that lay there glittering before him was a large sword in its gleaming sheath. "'Oh, Grandfather, I want that!' he cried. "'Oh, you do?' said Grandfather. "'Hold the sword till I get the uniform out of the chest.' Bikku Matti took the sword. It was so heavy that he could hardly lift it. Old Grandfather stroked his cheek. When you become a man, he said, perhaps 
you may carry a sword too, and be allowed to fight for your country. Here are the trousers. You need the coat too, I suppose. Yes, grandfather, and the sword, and the cap too. Here you have it all, Bikku, but you must promise not to go further than the gate. And Bikku promised. Just as they came down the carrot, they heard the sheriff driving on the road, calling and shouting to the people to get out of the road, that the high gentleman was coming soon. There was a great deal of hurry and flurry on the road as well as in the kitchen. Grandfather's trousers were put on Bikku Matty. They were grey with light blue stripes along the sides and so wide and long that Bikku could easily have hidden himself in one of the trouser legs. It looked very discouraging, but on they must go. From below, about half the length of the trousers was rolled up, fastened with pins, and from above they were hitched up and tied with a kerchief under Bikku's arms. There was just as much difficulty with the coat. When it was on the little fellow, the sleeves and coat tails swept the floor. No, this will not do, said Grandmother, and she rolled up the sleeves and coat tails and fastened them with pins. Bikku was waiting patiently. The tall soldier cap was then placed on his head, but it would have fallen down over his little head and neck, clear to his shoulders, if it had not been filled with hay. At last they tied the heavy sword on Bikku's back, and the little knight was ready. There never was a hero returning from victory half as proud as was Bikku in his first pair of trousers. The little boy was lost in the big uniform. Only the blue, honest eyes, the red cheeks, and the important little pug-nose could be seen between the collar and the cap. The brave knight started off with the sword scraping the ground, but soon the pins began to fall out, the cap nearly upset, and it all looked as if our soldier would surely fall at each step he took. The old people had not laughed so heartily for a long time. Grandfather, who could hear but could not see the outfit, swung the little boy about, kissed the little nose that stuck out, and said, "'God bless you, little Bikku. May no lad worse than you wear our country's uniform. Now take care to salute when the great gentleman comes so.' And then he taught Bikku to stand straight as a stick, with a serious face, left arm stretched straight down, right hand at the forehead. "'Yes, grandfather,' said Bikku, who was always willing to learn. Bikku had just arrived at the gate when a dust cloud was seen on the road and the great gentleman came driving. Now he was quite near. Oh, how fast he came! Suddenly the driver called. Whoa! And again, open the gate! Now this was what happened. The sheriff himself was standing at the gate to see that everything should go off right. He was to give the command and his assistant was to open it. But when the carriage approached with lightning speed, the sheriff wanted to make a deep bow. In doing so, he fell, and there he lay sprawling in the ditch by the road. His assistant waited for the word of command, and when he saw his superior officer fall, he became so confused that he could not think of opening the gate. Therefore, the game remained shut, right before the nose of the high gentleman. The carriage had stopped, and now the gentleman looked out surprised, to see what was the matter, while the driver kept on calling, Open the gate! Then Bikku Matty stepped up, though with much difficulty, opened the gate, and saluted exactly as Grandfather had taught him. 
The driver whipped up the horses. The carriage started. But the gentleman called, Stop! And the carriage stopped a second time. Who are you, little one, in my regiment's uniform? called out the high gentleman, and laughed so heartily that the carriage shook. Biku did not understand anything of this, and did only what Grandfather had told him to. Saluted again, as straight and serious as could be. This amused the high gentleman still more, and he asked the people who stood near about the parents of the little boy. The sheriff, who by this time had crept out of the ditch, came hurriedly forward to tell that the little boy was an orphan and lived with his grandfather, an old soldier named Hugh. What was a surprise of all, when the gentleman stepped out of his carriage, took Bikku by the hand and walked with him straight to the little cabin. And what excitement in the little hut! Grandmother could say nothing when the stranger entered, but stood there open-mouthed. Grandfather, because he saw nothing, had more courage and pointed politely in the direction where he knew the bench was. "'God's blessings on you, my friends,' said the stranger, and shook hands with the old people. "'It seems to me I recognise you, old comrade,' he continued, while he looked searchingly at Grandfather. "'Are you not Hugh, number 39 of my old regiment?' "'Yes, Captain,' answered Grandfather, in great surprise, for he recognised the voice of the man. "'God be praised, that at last I have found you. Do you think I could forget you, who saved my life? You who carried me on your back across the stream, while the bullets ran about your ears, and the enemies were all about? After you have forgotten it, do you think I ever should forget it? After the war was over, I looked for you and inquired for you everywhere, but without success.' but now I have found you, and now I may repay you a little by looking after you and yours in your old age. And what a fine boy you have! The gentleman caught Bikumati in his arms, lifted him high up and kissed him so heartily that the hat fell off, the sword rattled and the rest of grandmother's pins fell out of the coat and the trousers. No, no, let me alone, said Biku. Now you have made me drop the cap, and grandfather will be angry. "'Dear sir,' said Grandfather, quite ashamed of Bikku, "'be so kind as not to mind how the boy talks. "'He is not used to being with people.' "'Don't worry about the boy's talk. "'He is right, guarding the soldier's cap. "'Listen, Bikku, do you want to become a soldier like your grandfather?' "'said the gentleman. "'Grandfather says it depends upon whom I am to fight,' said Bikku. "'That is right.' said the gentleman, and you certainly are not lacking in courage. That, Captain, is because he wears trousers for the first time today, and that gives courage. Rather say it is the old uniform that gives courage, said the general, for now he was a general. Much gunpowder and much honour are hidden in that old uniform, and the memories of it pass from generation to generation. But this is a new age, and the boy may live to serve his country in many ways. Are you strong, little man? Bikku did not answer, but held out his arm and showed his muscles. Yes, said the general. I see you will be as strong as a bear when you are a little older. Will you go with me and eat soft bread and drink milk every day, and cakes 
and candy you may have too, if you are good. And shall I have a horse to ride on? said Bikku. Yes, of course, said the general. Bikku thought it over a while. His little blue eyes flew from the stranger to grandfather, and from grandfather to grandmother, and back to the stranger again. At last he crept upon the old woman's knee and said, I will stay with grandfather and grandmother. But dear Bikku, said the old soldier, with tears in his eyes, grandfather gives you only hard bread, water, and herring. Don't you hear that the gentleman offers you soft bread, milk, and other good things, and a horse to ride? I want to stay with grandfather. I won't leave grandfather, cried Bikku, hardly able to keep the tears away. You are right, said the general, and stroked Bikku's round cheek. Stay with your grandfather, and none of you shall suffer want, and when you grow up to be a man, come to me. You shall have fields to plough and forests to hew, but whatever work you do, it is all the same. You will be an honest and loyal son of your country. Will you not, Bikku? Yes, said the boy. "'standing straight and tall. "'God bless you, child,' said Grandfather and Grandmother, "'moved to tears. "'And God bless our beloved country, "'and may he give it many loyal sons like you, little Bikku. "'Honour thy father and thy mother, "'that thy days may be long upon the land "'which the Lord thy God giveth thee.' "'That's written in my primer,' said Bikku Matty softly. Yes, but it must be written in our hearts also, said the general, and once more he kissed the boy. End of section 88 End of Up One Pair of Stairs of My Book House Edited by Olive Beaupre Miller